Hello, everybody. We're happy to have Dr. Alia Yacoub today. Welcome. Um, Doctor is from Thrive Global, and we're so excited to have you today here today. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, first, tell us about where your training's from, where you're from, how you got interested in this, and then and then the leap to Thrive Global. Can of you- course, yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. I'm, I'm really honored and excited to be here. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. As you mentioned, I'm Dr. Alia Yacoub. I am board certified in internal medicine. I trained at UCLA and Stanford. Uh, In fact, I actually wanted to go into rheumatology, which is the practice of treatment of autoimmune disorders, and thought I would be in academics all my life. But living in Silicon Valley really got interested in innovation and figuring out how do you use technology to allow people to live healthier, happier lives. And so one of my first jobs after training was I was the on-campus physician um, at the Facebook corporate headquarters, where I took care of exclusively people who worked at Facebook and who worked on tech. And what I realized at the time was just how much of a mental health burden they were going through um, with an intense work environment, um, lots of anxiety, lots of depression, which we were starting to see back in uh, 2014, 2015, 2016 when I was there. And I became really interested in how do we use technology to develop solutions that help us change our behavior that are based on the neuroscience um, and also help us access medicine and healthcare in a better way uh, so that we are more engaged in our health and have a sort of preventative lens with which we look at things rather than just treating things when they happen, when it's too late, but rather how do we prevent things before they happen? And so much of that has been about learning about lifestyle and lifestyle medicine and um, how the things that we do in our day-to-day lives, how we sleep, how we eat, how we move, or a lack of those healthy behaviors leads to the development of chronic diseases. So um, that's a little bit sort of about me, my training. I have worked with lots of startups over the last 10 years, both as a medical founder, but an advisor and in many different capacities and have been able to witness um, sort of the inception of a lot of really great companies doing incredible work in the space. One of which that I'll highlight is um, a diabetes company. So it's a diabetes platform that is totally... Um, telemedicine focused. So you don't have to go in person to see an endocrinologist Mm -hmm. and everything is connected through a continuous glucose monitor. So you as a diabetic are able to use a continuous glucose monitor, your glucose values get shot over to your doctor virtually and everything gets managed um, sort of remotely, which is incredible for folks who live in rural areas and we're traveling three, four hours to just get to an endocrinologist. So in that way, I think technology has been really amazing. But I think as we'll discuss in this um, conversation, there are ways in which technology also leads to chronic stress and leads to other things that are of concern for us. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And just to restate um, for our audience that members that are not healthcare providers, when we work to lower risk for cancer, we in turn address so many things like diabetes, like mental stress. And especially, and I love the fact that, you know, you as a physician understand some of these things, but also you understand what's relevant today. I don't understand how people can take in so much information in one day. You know, if you have an interest, for instance, in the environment, 
you're bombarded by environmental stories all day long. I mean, how do people stay out of panic mode with that sort of information overload? I, I myself have to be very, very careful because we get tens of thousands of communications a year and I have to tread lightly. Can you yeah. share some insight on that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something actually that we we talk a lot about at Thrive. And, I'll, and while we're talking about this, maybe I'll just tell you a little bit about Thrive. So Thrive that. Global um, is a really wonderful company started by Ariana Huffington. It was started back in 2016. Um, it's a behavior change platform. And um, we have technology products and wellness solutions that we offer to uh, companies to help them um, unlock human potential of their workforces, but also to end the the burnout uh, epidemic, um, which on top of the pandemic that we're experiencing has been a lot for for folks. And uh, one thing that you're talking about is sort of that information overload that we all experience, given that we have devices that we're carrying around all day, we get notifications, we get news, um, we're getting all these emails, we're watching the news. It's so much stimulation for the human brain. And what we recommend in terms of like your personal wellness um, is to actually set some boundaries. So we recommend that you turn off your notifications so that you can focus on your tasks and not get disrupted by some news that, you know, shows up on your phone um, or a notification that's disruptive to you. Also, uh, another tip would be to to schedule sort of a boundary in the evenings where, you know, you stop watching the news, you have a news cutoff. Um, Because what we find is that stimulation from these informational triggers, especially in the evening, can disrupt people's sleep. People aren't sleeping well because they're they're triggered by all of these um, pieces of news and facts and things that are coming in. Um, randomly. And and we don't have control over sort of our headspace because of all of these notifications and stories and and things that kind of uh, crop up into our our consciousness. So two two small pieces of advice, turn off notifications and try to focus on, you know, what you're working on with in a non-distracted manner. And then set a set a cutoff time at which you're not reading the news anymore. You're not watching the news anymore. You're not mindlessly consuming social media where that can also happen. You might be scrolling and all of a sudden you see something really terrible happened or some piece of news that really triggers you and puts you in a bad headspace. Uh, that is always disruptive, I think, to sleep and, and, and to our day. So just being really mindful about what you let into your consciousness is, is really important. And I do want to, thank you for that. I do want to add that Ariana is really the first person I'd ever heard talk about sleep in the way that she did. And it was so important about the, the restoration of my, you know, headspace, the, the care that's not of yourself that isn't always evident that you, you know, like you can see a cut on your finger, you can put a bandaid on it. This is something that isn't always evident. Even when we look in the mirror, we don't see that stress physically, but the internal burn is there and we see it. And, and it was actually Ariana that made me very mindful of that and its role um, as we've seen from scientists and healthcare providers in managing health and and working to lower health risk. Um, So I'm super grateful for that platform. I'm also, um, um, have been lucky enough to be able to blog 
on that platform. And I appreciate that opportunity and connecting some of these issues to managing our own health and lowering risk for things like diabetes, which I love the concept of that company. But, um, you know, we have an opportunity to lower risk in lots of places. And um, it isn't always easy you know, it isn't always easy to do, especially um, for people that have a harder time getting access to many things, including this broadcast, which we're always trying to figure out ways that people can access um, the help of people like yourself. Like I just wanted to um, ask you something that you um, touched on that I thought was super interesting back to some of the devices that and technology that we're using. We know how to cut down. We have some information actually on how to cut down on the overload. But is there technology out there today that can help us become more present and free us up um, rather than just like not use? Is there are there practices or devices or technology out there that will help us? Can you share a little bit on that? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. Based on the latest neuroscience and what we know about the brain and how the brain doesn't do well with uncertainty and just um, how anxiety can build up and and also um, how our nervous system works, when we're activated, when we're stressed, we are, our sympathetic nervous system is firing. That's when we're sort of in a fight or flight response. And we want to be in sort of the parasympathetic nervous system activation state. So to move from the sympathetic nervous system where we're totally stressed out and overwhelmed to parasympathetic nervous system, one of the greatest tools we have is something very simple. And this is really, I think, a an incredible thing for people to practice is breathing, deep breathing. And in particular, there is a um, type of breathing uh, practice called box breathing, which was developed for Navy SEALs, because what we found is that Navy SEALs were going out on these incredibly stressful missions. They were doing really, really difficult work and then coming home to their families and they'd be sitting on the couch and they'd hear, you know, a loud noise on the TV. And all of a sudden they would be sort of in that sympathetic activation where they're just like activated and stressed again, as if they were on a mission or they might be sleeping at night and um, have, have a terrible nightmare and wake up from that and be in that stress state once again. And psychiatrists and psychologists tried all of these different sort of measures on them. And what they found that worked was something called box breathing. And what that is basically for those who aren't familiar with that is you inhale for four seconds, you hold your breath for four seconds, and then you exhale over the course of four seconds and you can count and, um, It's really simple to do. And you do this for a couple of cycles. And after about two to three cycles or one minute of doing this, you'll find that you move from that sympathetic activation to that parasympathetic nervous system where you're calm, you're relaxed. And what that does overall is it breaks that cycle of really like tight stress happening where if you don't break that cycle, it becomes chronic stress. And as you know, chronic stress leads to inflammation. It leads to the production of cortisol and overeating and making bad food choices and lots of unhealthy behavior that leads us down that track towards things like cancer and diabetes and hypertension and obesity and all of the things that we're trying to sort of avoid. So getting back to your question, the strongest best tools that we have are the simplest. They're really like our, our breathing, 
They are our ability to go out into nature, go for a walk. It's almost like disconnecting from the technology is, is our greatest um, strength and, and the way that we can sort of counteract all of the stress that we're feeling. Well, and just to, you know, I think simply put, we are, especially with COVID, I've noticed so many more hostile people, so many, like I really have to psych myself up to not be reactive, to help others calm down, help them find peace, just simply by being kind, because people are really on high alert in every corner of their life. And and I think that your advice on the breathing piece is key. I know um, if I can just pivot for one second, um, when I first started Less Cancer and and the the emails were unstoppable and the websites kept breaking and there was no peace ever. And literally for me to find that box breathing even took a lot of focus, a lot of practice. And I would do, I mean, I did things like, you know, go to an acupuncturist, walk every day with a very focused walk and thinking about every time my foot touch the ground. I would, you know, really try to get like those habits are not like flipping a switch. And I think it, it wasn't that way for me. It may be for some people that are super disciplined or have that mindset. But for me, it really took a practice of saying, you know what, my bucket's not full today. I need some time. And it might be a walk and it, or it might be breathing or, you know, sometimes I'll, you know, be able to go see something or do something that brings my mind totally off of my work. But I think scheduling those breaks, I schedule bike rides now. So today I had a meeting I had to cut out earlier because it was going to cut into my bike ride, which was going to cut into this conversation. So I really do set the alarm on my phone for things like bike ride, breathing. And maybe are there other uh, tips that way that you might advise that people could do to help give them structure around some of the stress and worry rather than just say, oh, breathe? Are there some other things that we might be able to do? Absolutely. There are so many of them. And in fact, at Thrive, um, we have something called micro steps, which are small habit changes um, that are too small to fail. So just making little tweaks in your daily life that improve your wellness and improve your stress level and improve your ability to cope and, and be resilient, but that don't take so much out of you that they're impossible to carry on and, and follow through with day after day. So some examples of these micro steps are, um, of course, incorporating box breathing. If you can't do that, if that's too much, then do deep breathing and schedule it on your calendar, schedule the walks. Like I love your idea of, you know, scheduling this stuff, putting an alarm, reminding yourself so much of our behavior is just based on how we're feeling in that moment, what we're used to doing. And if we need to remind ourselves to do it differently and keep doing it differently every day, that's okay. Put it on your calendar, put an alarm on your phone, write a note, do whatever it takes to remind yourself, um, have an accountability partner. Um, you know, whether, you know, whether that's a family member, a loved one or a friend that you go on a walk with or a bike ride or, or whatever it may be to, to move, remind yourself to move your body. Um, some other little tips and micro steps that people can sort of engage in, uh, to decrease their stress and improve their wellness are, 
with Omicron anxiety, um, people are facing uncertainty in many different ways and many people are stressed. And one thing that was very helpful is a scientifically validated um, sort of practice called affirmations. So affirmations are statements that start with I am or I can, and you can say I can do hard things. I am capable of doing um, this task or I am worthy of X, Y, and Z thing. And just saying it out loud to yourself really changes something in your mind and in your brain that allows you to sort of overcome whatever challenge you're, you're feeling in that moment and facing. So affirmations are really powerful. Um, you know, something as simple as drinking a full glass of water when you wake up before you consume anything else is, is really an incredible practice to help you stay hydrated. Uh, we know from the neuroscience that they've done um, imaging on people's brains. And when you're dehydrated, your brain kind of looks shrunken as well. And people who are adequately hydrated, their brains look hydrated. So just imagine how, what type of impact that has. Um, and then lastly, like another really quick tip uh, that we focus on a lot uh, is gratitude. Uh, having a simple gratitude practice, just saying. I'm alarmed for that. Wonderful. for that at noon. And not to interrupt you, but it was that's one of the things that I, I because I believe that's as equally or more so or as important as exercise. It really is a very low lift way to have a huge impact. At UCLA, mm-hmm. they studied children's brains and adult brains, um, and they found that when kids had a gratitude practice and they spoke out loud about something that they were grateful for, or they Mm -hmm. wrote it down. If they had a gratitude practice for three days, we saw a, an increase in the thickness of their gray matter in their brain on functional MRI. So in in a matter of three days, just that small, simple gratitude practice actually had an impact on the imaging of the brain. Uh, In adults, it's super important as well. and, And there are lots of studies that demonstrate that as well. So it's, you know, it's these little small changes that we can make, these micro steps that we can sort of add to our daily lives that really have a huge impact on how we're feeling, how we interface with the world. And um, and and really, it combats some of the, the cognitive and brain fog that I think people are collectively feeling right now during the pandemic. Sitting in front of screens all day. I mean, you know this, I know this. Sitting in front of a screen all day, I think by 3 p.m., I'm fried. I'm just, I need to get outside. I need to stretch my body. I need to move. I need to decompress. And, um, and so scheduling breaks, moving your body during the day and just getting away from the, the rut of that computer and focusing on that, that screen. The Zoom situation is for me, uh, because I communicate with my whole body being soul. It's like talking through a keyhole. Now I've gotten used to it, but it is, it's a little bit different. I, you, I wanted to mention this. I, I would love to know your idea on this. Um, before when I would duck out to go ride my bike or duck out to go work out or duck out to go capture a break, I used to keep it. I never mentioned it to anybody. It's how I have a meeting or I have this. Now I own it. I say, I'm going for a bike ride. They're like, well, wow, we wish we had that luxury. And I was like, I don't have that luxury. 
I have to do it so I can keep my work going. So, you know, today I took a phone call. Actually, when I was on that bike, I was I was in a in my own area and I was on the phone for part of it. And then I had to hang up with them and just say, listen, I need this time and I will circle back. So um, I wonder what you thought of that. Yeah, you bring up a really powerful point. I think for folks, especially in leadership positions, when you are open about how you're taking care of yourself and your wellness, the people who work with you, you're giving them permission to do the same. So I think we have to change our mindset about this. Taking care of yourself is not selfish. It's not a luxury. It's a necessity for us to have a sustainable way to function in the type of world that we're living, where there is a lot of uncertainty, where there is a lot of stress, and we have to be able to find ways to build resilience and cope with it. And one of those ways is to get outside and move your body and and take breaks and stretch and do these things for ourselves. Uh, As humans, we're not robots. We can't just, you know, work all day without a break and then expect that our mind and our body and our soul is going to be healthy at the end of the day after those types of days. Day and I think days. especially with like the brain fog that comes with COVID and some of the things we're seeing in our friends and family and, and co-workers, those people that have had COVID have reported to me, um, you know, I just can't seem to pull it together. And the only thing I can suggest is that they need more time to reboot and recoup. And um, and what can they do to fill their bucket? But I do I hear that a lot where people are like really struggling to keep up because of brain fog or because of some of these other symptoms that we hear about through COVID. Is there is there anything you could add to that? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it really goes back to some of the things that we talked about. But you're right. In as in a collective manner. I think most of society is feeling that pandemic fog and that brain fog. And part of that is our response to stress and the way that we're dealing with stress. So from a neuroscience perspective, um, the brain fog is part of one of our stress biotypes. Um, So we've collaborated with Stanford and we have um, this incredible curriculum called Thriving Mind, where we teach people based on the research out of Stanford and and from Dr. Leanne Williams there, who's in the Department of Psychiatry, um, we teach people what their stress biotypes may be. And for some of us, um, we go into rumination where we start worrying. We start worrying about the future. We start worrying about something that we did that was a mistake and we fixate on that. Um, Another stress biotype is Um, sort of that cognitive fog and the brain fog that we talked about where you're on a screen or you're overly stressed and you're just going through the motions, but at the end of the day, you're completely burnt. You're um, emotionally disconnected. It's hard for you to focus. uh, And that's one uh, stress biotype. Another one is where you procrastinate because you're stressed about something that's coming up and you're just into, you know, your responses to procrastinate and avoid that task that you're doing. So we we have a a whole curriculum that teaches people about their um, stress biotype. That is so good to know that um, universities like Stanford and people such as yourself and Thrive are developing. But 
for the general public out there, I cannot encourage them enough to go to Thrive. Can you really explain some of the tools that are available on that website, either in blogging or could you share something? Yes, I would love to. So we do have a really wonderful uh, blog where we post really incredible content that's based in the neuroscience, that's based on the latest trends, what we're seeing in industry and in the community. Um, so please, uh, you know, check it out, uh, check out our content on there. We do post a lot of tips, a lot of incredible content on our social media. Um, Ariana posts a lot on her personal social media, on her LinkedIn, on um, Instagram as well. Her books, are, by the way, are very helpful. Not to jump in here, but her books have been very helpful to me. Yeah, yeah. And we actually sleep have... A, the intention of sleep. She, she also wrote a book uh, most recently called Thrive. And it talks about sort of the premise of the company and some of the behavior change science and platform. So that's a really incredible book that people can pick up as well. That's widely available. It's called Thrive. Uh, But lots of resources available online. Absolutely. And then also, too, um, the role of some of these things in chronic disease. Can we just review that a little bit? Like we're talking about stress and, and, and bandwidth and staying fresh and not being burned out. Can you tell us the role of those things, of stress in chronic disease, how that increases risk for things like diabetes and yes, even cancer? Can you Absolutely. share a little Absolutely. So what we know is that stress is an inherent part of our lives. As humans, like there's no way we can get rid of stress. What we want to do and focus on is not letting our stress that's acute in the moment in the day become cumulative and chronic and happen over the course of time and not get corrected. We want to break that cycle. So stress is inevitable. Chronic stress is what we want to sort of attack and break down. And we don't want our stress to get to that level. And so once it gets to the level of chronic stress, what we find is inflammation throughout the body and it impacts every single organ system. What we find is the release of uh, stress hormones, one of which being cortisol, which then leads us to make lots of decisions uh, based on that stress regarding our eating habits and regarding our nutrition. And that those, those decisions that we make when we're stressed are unhealthy decisions typically. We're acting impulsively, we're making poor food choices, Um, And that, you know, leads to metabolic syndrome, obesity, hypertension, diabetes. Um, When we're stressed, we tend not to move our bodies as much, not exercise and and make fitness sort of um, a priority. And so all of all of these things sort of indirectly impact the development of chronic diseases, some of which we talked about, but also lots of cancer, Mm -hmm. lots of cancer. is related to chronic stress as well. And indirectly, a lot of the choices, lifestyle choices we make as a result of stress. If you ask a smoker, when do they smoke the most? It's when they're stressed, they're chain smoking. If you ask an overeater, when do they eat the most? It's when they're stressed. If you ask anybody, when do you sleep the least? It's when you're stressed. So all of these things have a downstream effect on our health that is just tremendous. If we were to really quantify it and qualify it, it would just be absolutely mind-blowing. And so stepping back and saying, okay, when I'm feeling stressed, 
I'm going to break that cycle. Here are the strategies that I'm going to use. I'm going to do box breathing. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to take things off my plate. I'm going to um, tell myself really positive affirmations. I'm going to get help if I have anxiety and depression. I'm going to get help with my eating by making small changes. I'm going to try to get more sleep. All of those things cumulatively lead to a healthier you and to less disease burden. And one last thing that I wanted to share on sleep, because we didn't talk a lot about sleep, but it's something that Ariana really was a pioneer in, in terms of sort of um, the sleep revolution and her book and, and her own personal experience. What we know about sleep is that sleep is like a dishwasher for your brain. When we sleep, we clear out all of these waste proteins that accumulated throughout your normal day. You doing your normal things during your day accumulates waste proteins in your brain. And if you sleep and you sleep appropriately with the right amount and with the right um, uh, quality of sleep, what you get is that your brain is like a dishwasher. It cleans up all of those proteins Mm -hmm. and, and your brain is recharged and refreshed after that seven to eight hour period in the morning. If you don't get enough sleep, it's like if you were to open up your dishwasher in the middle of a cycle and your dishes are still dirty. And what we're finding when it comes to dementia and Alzheimer's down the road is that you have a higher risk of those things if you have chronic sleep issues, if you're not sleeping well. Interesting, interesting. It's funny how, how so many of the things that we can do to prevent and lower risk. It is really interesting and that things are not happenstance. I, um, people will say to me, wow, you've been so fortunate to be able to take care of yourself or aren't you lucky or aren't you this? And, and But it hasn't always been that way. Certainly, you know, for a whole host of reasons. And, um, and I understand that for other people, lots of different kinds of people, their access issues like, wow, I wish I could get a rest or wow, I wish I could do this or wow, I wish I could go to a doctor. You know, there are a lot of people that don't have some of these things. And I always think it's important to share this information with everyone. And that when people have a tough time, as you suggested earlier, there are small steps that people can do. They can take five minutes in their car on a bench to just breathe, to just stop themselves. That's something with practice people can do. You know, there are smaller versions where we can chip away to work at some of these things, these changes that don't necessarily happen as a soundbite or a flip of a switch. They really require work. And so when we talk about these things, I'm always mindful of those that have problems with access. And I think today you've given us a lot of tools for a lot of different people to dip in, to reach in, and understand things that they might be able to do to lower their stress. I, you know, when COVID, I don't know if we discussed this before, but when COVID hit, I had been locked up in my office for weeks. You know, maybe I bought the last bicycle in the shop in my town, which I'm not sure who it's for, but it's kind of a pale blue aqua V-frame bike. And it was an e-bike. It was more money. And I hadn't ridden a bike since 1973, maybe. So I got the bike, I jump on it, and I never stop riding. I lost tons of weight and rode over 4,000 miles. Super lucky to have that opportunity to buy a bike. 
Um, and I was lucky to, um, not lucky, I, I, I really devoted time into the practice of riding the bike, setting the alarm. And I still do that today. And um, if any of that helps anybody who's listening today, we all have issues with stress. We all have pileups. And, and we know that the stress can make us chronically ill and in some cases much worse. So um, I just wanted to share that. I don't know. Absolutely. That- Thank you so much for sharing that. I think there is so much to be inspired by in your story. And so much of what we're talking about today is about intention. Look, we're not, none of us are ever going to be in a perfect state where we're exercising perfectly, we're eating perfectly, we're performing perfectly at work, we're doing a perfect job at being a parent or a um, a sibling or a child or a, whatever our roles are in life. But what we can do is commit to being better and better every day. And that's something that's very tangible. That's something you can wrap your head around. So if you just commit to, you know, I'm going to be better tomorrow than I am today. And the day after, I'm going to be a little bit better in a week and two weeks and a month you're going to be a different person. You're going to right. be completely on the road anyway. And I think it's okay to be a little bit lazy and a little bit, a little bit like take shortcuts. It doesn't necessarily have to be a big deal. I have a, I have a jack of cards, you know, the, the jack, the card playing in my wallet. And I, somebody said, why do you keep it there? And I said, because somebody a few years ago asked me to pray for their son, Jack. I'm not very religious, but I keep that jack of hearts actually in my wallet because when I come across it, I think about I think about that young man and I think about how he's doing. So I do have little reminders in my life for things that are helpful to me and helpful to others. So for in that case, it's the jack of hearts in my wallet. But I think there are other things we can do, like setting the phone or or thinking about um You know, one of the small changes that I made and I think could be helpful for others is how we start our day. Think in your head how you want to start your day. Do you want to start it like running for the train or do you want to start it calm and happy? You want something healthy that's going to make you feel better when you eat in the morning. You're not just grabbing a cup of coffee and a piece of burnt toast and flooring it to your next meeting. So I think some of those like little minor reminders to yourself, like, how am I going to spend my morning and not just reacting to fire drills? And I think so much of our habits are about the fire drills in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think living your life with intention is a great starting point Mm -hmm. to, to infuse intention into the things that you do. Right. Well, you know, you are so helpful to so many people and I'm very grateful personally to you and all the work you do for others. I'm grateful for Thrive and Ariana and some of the tools and some of the things that like sleep that she's brought out into public spaces. And now sleep is part of our conversation. It's part of our landscape because of her. And we know that when things become part of our landscape, they take on a normalcy. And that's when we see change. You know, when when I first wanted to do something on cancer prevention 20 years ago, nobody put those two words together. They weren't in the same book, much less the same paragraph, certainly not side by side. You know, that was, it just wasn't happening. And now people look for ways to lower their risk. And, and we are so grateful to people such as yourself. And I appreciate all the time you gave to us today. 
Thank you so much. And thank you for all the incredible work that you do with Less Cancer and on National Cancer Prevention Day. And this is so incredibly important, I think, to people just empowering them with education and knowledge because knowledge is power. Once they have the knowledge, they can choose what to do with it. They want to act on it. They can change their lives. It can be transformative. So thank you so much. Really appreciate this conversation, Bill. Thank you so much for your good work. And thanks for all you do.